Mike Rags and Todd Burlage with a Blue Gold Report podcast. Fighting Irish sports from the inside out. Subscribe to the Blue Gold Report. It's not just talk, it's the Blue Gold Report. Well, hello again, everybody. It is time for another Blue Gold Report podcast. Mike Rags and Todd Burlage here to talk about Notre Dame football and all sports, actually. But, of course, we are smack dab in the middle of a 3-0 and football season. Uh, I want to remind you that the Blue Gold Report is being brought to you by our good friends over at D.O. McComb and Sons Funeral Homes. And, of course, wherever you download the podcast, make sure you share us, you review us, you rate us, and do what all you need to do to make us the most popular podcast of about Notre Dame sports. Well, we're going to bring him in right now, and it's been a busy week, to say the least, after a very disappointing showing at home. They did get the win against Vanderbilt, but once again, playing down to the level of competition, and once again, no progress with quarterbacks. And a matter of fact, the big news this week in press conferences is BK actually saying both quarterbacks will play while not naming a starter. So we'll get to all the nitty-gritty stuff, but... You know, say what you want. They are uh, 3-0, and Todd, and they are ready to play Wake Forest and ready to play a road game. How you doing, my friend? Not too bad. Yeah, it's interesting, Rags. And I got a, a couple uh, little tidbits here as we move forward. Yeah, they're 3-0 and for sure, and, and that hasn't even happened that much, really, since the uh, post-Lou Holtz era. And for all the griping we're doing, they have not trailed at all this season. True. So I got a couple little, uh, little um, bonus, shall we call them, uh, nuggets. Um, even though it doesn't fall under the true blue gold nugget heading. Well, and and this last one with Shermer as your quarterback, this one felt like it could get away from him. This was the you know the other games never really felt in doubt. This one uh, seemed a little sketchy at times, and uh, it was an interesting game to say the least. We're going to get into it all, but we always start every show as always with some blue gold nuggets. You got some good ones for us. Yeah, a couple women's basketball here to start with. Um, they put together a documentary on the championship season here anyway that you can continue, continue to stuff the coffers. You may as well do it when you win a national championship. It really was a magical season, though, when you consider they actually had more season-ending injuries than they did uh, losses. 35-3 and record, obviously, uh, that's against the number one strength of schedule with all the injuries. And then, obviously, the two great shots uh, by Ogunbowale in the Final Four and the championship game. So uh, it was a magical season. It will be worth revisiting. Now, you can find this on Wednesday, September 26th. That's Wednesday, September 26th. At 8 p.m. 8 p.m. Eastern Time, it's going to be streamed live on Facebook.com forward slash Fighting Irish. Again, Facebook.com forward slash Fighting Irish. 8 p.m. Eastern on Wednesday, the 26th, if you want to check it out there. It will go on sale. You can find it online or at the Notre Dame Bookstore. The documentary will go on sale starting on Friday, September 28th. Uh, another uh, note for the women's basketball, the... Schedule is out, as the men's was last week. We talked about that. Now the women's schedule is out. They will play 16 teams who qualified for the 2018 NCAA tournament. Five of those reached the Sweet 16. So it looks at, indeed like they might have the number one ranked schedule again. Um, and 10, 10 of these opponents are already ranked in that sort of very, very early top 25 ESPN poll. So something to consider there as well. They'll play on national television at least 11 times, with at least seven of those coming on ESPN or ESPN2. So certainly making a name for themselves couple notable, some of the notable home games, Iowa on November 29th, UConn on December 2nd. And then as far as conference play, pretty good conference slate moving here through Purcell Pavilion. Uh, Louisville, January 10th. Florida State, February 10th. 
Duke on the 21st. Some of the notable away games, DePaul on November 17th, Marquette on December 22nd, Tennessee on January 24th. And really their road slate in the ACC is not that daunting. About the best I could come up with when you're looking at road ACC games of note was Clemson on January 31st and Miami on February 7th. So it really looks like Notre Dame's, the beef of their schedule and conference comes has to come through Notre Dame. So that helps them out quite a bit there. Football note, football note that I stumbled across, uh, it's just been a weird season, Rags, because, uh, you know, Notre Dame's really not scoring, muddling along on offense. But, you know, as I mentioned, they haven't trailed all this year. They're 3-0, and ranked in the top 10 here. Uh, but there's kind of an ongoing scoring drought that I found interesting. Notre Dame has now failed to tally more than 24 points in seven straight games, okay? Going back to, to uh, Eric Parsegian's first year in 1964, that kind of streak, failing to score 24 points, has only happened one other time. And that was in the combinations of the 2006 and 2007 seasons under Charlie Weiss. That group went 10 straight games without scoring 24 points. That included the last two games of the 06 season and then the first eight of the 07 season when that particular team went 3-9 and nine under Jimmy Clausen. So it doesn't really feel like Notre Dame's not scoring the football, but indeed when you look at it, they truly aren't. And those are your blue-gold nuggets. Yeah, and it it seems like a lot of it is second half stuff too. So they'll always like, especially early in seasons, they'll get ahead early and then just disappear. And that's been the mo as we just turn around and look towards what happened last weekend against Vanderbilt once again to get out to a lead. Much like you said, they're always leading, but then they just can't. They just can't penetrate, do anything, move the ball. Um, a, a regression with the quarterback again, uh, and. You know, I don't know if it's the quarterback's fault. What came first, the chicken or the egg, Todd? As we look at this game, nobody in the wide receiving core is stepping up and doing anything. So I don't know if that's because they're running bad routes, so Wimbush is struggling, or vice versa. But it is definitely something we need to discuss. I want to I want to expand on your point here when you're talking about the quick starts because you really hit on it. It was something I was going to bring up. Notre Dame has actually outscored its opponents 31 to three in the first quarter, and when you're talking about that amount of points being scored. That's 44% of all of their total points for the season so far came in the first quarter, um, and, and actually almost 40% of its total offense. So that that's kind of interesting right there, and that goes to why they haven't trailed exactly what you said. Um, and now in, in, in the three full games of football, I talked about how Notre Dame has yet to trail. None of these wins have come by more than eight points. So they're one-possession games, yet they haven't trailed. And what's also interesting is... They've been tied for only for only seven minutes and seventeen seconds all season. Again, that goes to that quick score in the first quarter, and that tie is zero to zero. So not only have they not trailed rags, they haven't been tied other than zero zero in any one game. So I thought those were kind of some interesting points to go to your point about quick starts. Well, and then the big news to come out of this week's press conference is the fact that not only now look, Ian Book's been playing the the first three games, so news that. He's going to be playing with Wake Forest. Really, not that breaking news, but he did pl- he did get a heck of a lot more first uh, team reps, from what I understand, right, Todd? So that just leads one to believe, and the fact that Brian was a little uh, evasive about who's starting leads one to believe that he might not be sure at how much playing time Ian Book's going to actually get. Well, I mean, Brian Wimbush. Let's face it, he was. Pedestrian, I would say at best. At uh, 12 best. of 23 for 122 yards. Again, no touchdowns, but no interceptions. Kind of harmless there. Did have uh, 84 yards rushing, so that helps with a TD. So that continues to, to be a strength of his game. Ian Book, while he only threw, threw three passes, he did complete all three, including a, a touchdown. So, 
you know, he's he's doing some things. He's moving the football, and you're right. Brian Kelly talked about how, okay, where are we going to go with this? What are we going to do? And it was the first time that he said he usually goes 60-40 split when it comes to reps in well, in practice. He said he's looking more at a 50-50 split, so that suggests there might be some changes of brewing. So here's, here's Brian Kelly kind of being evasive of breaking down the quarterback situation. They're both going to play. I've said that all year. They're, they're both, uh, we need them both to win, and uh, they're both ready. Prepared, they're both ready to go, and um, we're going we're gonna to need both of them to win. Again, we think he's a good quarterback. We recruited him to Notre Dame to win championships, just as we did with Brandon. And, you know, again, that's why we put him in a game against Vanderbilt to win. Um, that's why we put him in, you know, each and every week. And, you know, if we put him in this weekend, it'll be because we believe he can help us win. So I've been usually a 60-40 uh, rep guy in terms of my experience. This has been pretty close to 50-50. We've been managing it that way. Well, to me, he channeled his best Bill Belichick here, especially yeah, this segment yeah. of the of the uh, press conference, because he was very... I, I don't want to say snide about it, but it was almost like, oh, yeah, this is something we always... Well, Brian, this is a little bit of a story. It's not a non-story, which he was kind of acting like it was. Yeah, you know what? And if that clip sounded a little choppy, it, it goes to what you're saying. He kept he was pressed on, and he only gave like quick little two- and three-second answers and then moved on to something else. So I kind of had to gather all those up and string them together. That's why it sounds a little bit choppy, but... And all in all, every one of those chopped up clips, he doesn't say much and he says the same thing. So it's hard to say. Maybe he doesn't know exactly what he's thinking at this point. Maybe it's going to depend on how practice goes. But it just the whole thing seemed backward to me during this entire season. When you get inside the red zone where Brandon Wimbush was absolutely brilliant last year in converting touchdowns and then not settling for field goals. When you get into that area now, you're putting in Ian Book, and it just doesn't make a lot of sense to me. It seems like it'd be the other way around, where you'd be playing Book in the middle of the field with the big arm, able to go vertically a little bit better than Brandon Wimbush. And then when you got to the red zone, that seems to be the time to use the running quarterback. But but what do I know? <laughs> well, they are running the ball. Uh, they did last week, at least, uh, have a heck of a lot better. Um, and Tony Jones Jr. is really emerging now. Uh, Todd, we knew going into the game, Derek Mason kind of made some snide remarks about, ah, we right. travel everywhere, we go to Notre Dame, blah, 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 blah. So it, it got a couple of headlines, but... There is maybe some animosity building beyond the game from after the game from what happened on the field. Yeah, we, Brian Kelly was asked about Alizé Mack, and the first thing he went to, he said, well, it's the best game he's played in Notre Dame's tight end, obviously. Mm-hmm. And then he immediately went to the, the chop blocks that were put on him, and you could see him. I went back and watched the game, and, and I didn't really notice it during the game when I was in the press box, but I certainly did on the replays. Mac would come across the field behind the line of scrimmage, be it in kind of motion, and the end every time would jump out and and take his knees out from under him, and it was, it, it was visible that that was by design. And Brian Kelly got a little ticked off. Then you're going to get the response from Vanderbilt coach Derek Mason. He was getting cut maliciously by their defensive end. I mean, it's bad football. It's legal, but it's bad football. It's just bad football, and, and I, I have no problem saying it. Um, you know, we're so concerned about, you know, frontal cuts and we got a defensive end, you know, chopping him on every play. I really don't care much about Brian Kelly's comments about football because when you go back and watch that game from, from the holding to the uh, post chops by Notre Dame, I, I thought it was bad football on their part. So with Brian Kelly, Brian Kelly can take his comments and, and, and keep it moving. Wow. <laughs> Derek, he never really shies away from anything there. So... 
That's interesting there, Todd. A lot developed over the last, uh, well, week or so. <laughs> yeah, we'll have to wait and see. that. This probably won't be a long-standing rivalry by any sense of the imagination, but it was that they went back and forth and you know they showed some clips during this particular piece i was watching and there was some sketchy things that Notre Dame was doing too that that uh that he was getting pretty fired up that Mason was getting pretty fired up on the sideline so i think it went both ways but uh ultimately yeah i don't think these guys are going to play for a long time here coming up but certainly it started with a little bad blood when when Mason was sort of trash talking Notre Dame before the season started and it certainly ends the same way with this little showdown between the two. Yeah, this isn't a home and home. I don't believe they play them next year, so it's not like this could build up and and it really right. uh highlight something next uh <laughs> next season, but you know what though? I kind of dig it. I got to be honest with you, Todd. You know, sure. too many people like each other in football anymore. It's kind of nice when things don't work out that way. Uh, yeah. Well, let, let me put this one to bed, Rex. I know we have to move on, but I did want to mention just a couple things left over from the Vanderbilt game. Uh, actually, the fifth-year senior punter Tyler Newsom, he averaged fifty-nine point six yards on his five punts, and that cl- that crushed uh, the all-time Notre Dame record, single-game record, and. You mentioned uh, Tony Jones Jr., 118 total yards. That almost doubled his previous career high of 61. And Alohi Gilman continues to shine. I thought his play in the goal line when he stripped the ball and it slid out the back of the end zone for a touchback, I thought that was the game-changing play. Uh, for sure. So just a few leftovers from the Vandy game. Yeah, and it's interesting. They did make a big deal about the punter and, and all that stuff after the game. And to me, when a punter's recognized, uh, you're not doing something right. <laughs> He did well, he do. Got lucky. He, he did. He did get lucky. He did. He did. Uh, he, he did a little bit because all five of his kicks, he had the wind at his back, and you you know you can't draw that up. And a few of uh, well, I don't know, maybe two or three went into the end zone, and there were touchbacks. I mean, he kicked them a long yeah, right. way, but that wasn't necessarily what they needed. But and that, that's fine. That's fine. If you're going to highlight something, I guess a punter is better than nothing. All right, let's look back now. We you know this is going to be the first first road game, Wake Forest. Uh, coming up, they stay uh, with the with the ACC here. Todd, uh, you know this is going to be a, this this game scares me. I didn't think they were going to lose till next week, but the, the way they're playing, I'm not too thrilled about the Demon Deacons. No, it's going to be interesting to see, especially when you look at what happened last year. Let's let's back it up to last year when these two teams played. Uh, first of all, yeah, Wake Forest they're two and one, um, so muddling along a little bit. What they have? They had a couple not all that significant wins here that I can't find here. I know they beat Towson, and they beat Tulane. And then uh, they played a night game at Boston College, and they got beat. I believe it was 41-34. I don't know why I have that. don't have that in front of me, but I don't. It doesn't matter. Um, but, but it's a dangerous team. And when you look at what happened last year, Notre Dame was way up, way up, and uh, 31-10. to and then the final score ended up. Where the heck don't I have this? Dang it! Okay, here it is. Notre Dame led thirty-one to ten last season, then had to hold on for a forty-eight thirty-seven win. Um, I think Notre Dame became kind of disinterested. But the Demon Deacons, they actually gained five hundred eighty-seven yards in that game. And senior quarterback John Wolford, he threw for three hundred thirty-one. Now that moved Notre Dame to eight and one rags. But that kind of put a kink in the armor, in the defensive armor, because they were really humming along pretty well with the scoring defense uh, under Clark Lee and doing some things there. They end up losing two of the next four games. Miami hung 41 on them, and Stanford hung, hung 38 on them. And in the last five, if you include the last five games, if you include Wake Forest, Notre Dame gave up 30 points a game from that that part that spot in the schedule on. So certainly they blew some holes in it, and they're going to try it again. Rags, this is a team that. 
Oh, tempo, 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 man. It's going to be really interesting. And, well, and remember, that was the turning point for Josh Adams as well in that game, and that's where things, you know, you could make the correlation that, yeah, the defense, but also the fact that something was wrong there, and yeah. it just never got back on track, and, you know, might have been because I went out and bought the hat, but that, <laughs> right? I've, I've been it seems that way. I've been lamenting on that for for over a year now. So, uh, well, let's talk about this Wake Forest offense, Todd, because sure. uh, it, th- this is uh, something where you know the way they played the last two games, you know, it, they got away with it. With this offense, I don't think they're going to get away with it. No, they ran 106 plays in that defeat to Boston College, so that that goes to show you what they do. They're second in the nation when it comes to plays run. They run more than 90 a game. They're second to only Texas Tech. Uh, that runs 94 a game. As far as personnel, slot receiver Greg Dorch, he's going to be an amazing. He, he's he's going to be he's a game breaking type player. I mean, second in the country with 9.3 catches a game. He actually leads the country in all purpose yards. He's a gifted punt returner as well. 224 yards a game. Uh, he's got a true freshman, Sam Hartman, throwing to him. And they're also doing a good job on the ground. Um, they have a junior, Cade Carney, who's averaging 100 yards a game. Uh, as a team, Wake Forest 15th in total offense and 15th in the run game. So definitely a dangerous, dangerous offense. But you know, I, everything that Brian Kelly talked about was trying to handle the tempo, uh, just the amount of teams they win. And I want to get into a little bit about maybe some fatigue and whatnot that could show up in this game. But let's listen to Brian Kelly on some, maybe a few details on how he wants to try and handle the tempo that Wake Forest is going to throw at him. Always a, a challenge to play on the road against uh, Power 5 teams, especially one that uh, likes to run 100 plays a game. So uh, certainly a challenge with the tempo. You know, certainly if you look at the statistics, you know, they were in a lot of third down situations, so third down conversions, getting them off the field. Uh, but, you know, you say that, and I think they were maybe six of seven on fourth down conversions too. Uh, they're going to play fast, but playing fast, you know, requires you to keep things fairly simple in a sense. Um, not that they're a simple offense, but there can't be a lot of checking. There can't be a lot of changing at the line of scrimmage. Last year they did much more of that. Um, so, you know, in some instances you, you just got to go play. And so as we look at it is that, you know, we just have to be um, – really on point fundamentally, um, and we've got to compete every play. Um, I think if you, if, if you think about taking a play off, um, that's where that drive extends itself. Um, so our focus is really about uh, playing with much more sense of urgency in, in everything that we do in, in all facets. I think if we play with a sense of urgency against a, a tempo team like this, um, you know, that's your best bet in terms of slowing them down. You know, Todd, you talked about Wimbush being pedestrian. That might be the best way to describe this Notre Dame defense so far. Much lauded going into the season. Look, they ranked 95th in yards allowed and through the air per game. That's that's a problem when you're dealing with a team that all they want to do is slash and throw the ball all over the place. They're struggling to get teams off the field on third down. They rank 82nd in the country on third down defense, um, and that's certainly an area where Wake Forest really thrives, and it's why they're able to keep their drives drives alive and then rack up about 100 plays a game. So I think that first and second down defense for Notre Dame will be really important. I don't know how you, you replicate, duplicate this kind of offense in practice. You, you just don't have... You know, you just the guys don't really know how to do it because it's not something that that you do as a scout team. How do you you don't, you just can't run it that fast because you don't work on it. So I just think it's going to be interesting. The substitution, 
Brian Kelly even mentioned, it's going to be hard to substitute because Wake Forest doesn't substitute, doesn't let you substitute. Mm-hmm. Now, Ball State ran 97 plays against Notre Dame, uh, but they were you, you were able to substitute, especially up front, and because Ball State would kind of slow it down a little bit in between. They they would call huddles here and there, but still manage ninety seven plays. But yeah, but the problem right. with that I, is a, Todd is that they were hoping on only forty five of those plays to have the first team in the game. Right. So this right, could right. You know, this is like a perfect storm. Now I will say this: Hartman is a freshman. He's not throwing the ball that accurately. About fifty five percent a clip. He's thrown five interceptions already. So you can maybe count on him turning the ball over. Maybe. But we get into it here. You brought it up last week. This defense has been on the field a lot, and it's only week four. This becomes uh, the perfect storm. On the road, a lot of right. plays, and the defense could be out there a lot. And also, Rags, the, the weather forecast for this segment, I wanted to look it up. It's supposed to be 85 degrees, oh, sunny boy. and muggy, a real fill of about 95 degrees. So when you're talking about trying to, trying to defense 100 plays, okay, here's what I wanted to get to. Drew Tranquil and Tavon Coney, they have played in all 236 defensive plays this entire season. That's 69 against Michigan. I mentioned the 97 against Ball State, and then 70 against Vandy. They have not come off the field, and that doesn't even include their special teams duties. And trust me, Tranquil is very active on on special teams. So when you put it all together, I know we're still only talking we're in September here, but does this start to wear on these guys? What do you do? The guy Obviously, the backups aren't performing well enough to put them in. You're going to have enough trouble substituting anyways. Uh, Brian Kelly said he's not worried about it. I actually love this clip. It's my favorite clip of the week when he was asked about how are you going to get these guys a blow? They get the rest of their career to rest. I mean, they're young. I mean... We're, we're, I think we do a great job with, um, you know, taking care of our players, um, making sure that they're, they're getting treatment. But we might be making a little bit too much of how many reps they're getting. Um, they're in great shape physically. Drew is, I mean, he takes great shape, great care of his body. Um, We'd like to find a way to, to give them a, 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 some plays off here or there. But let's go. It's football season. you got to play. Uh, if, we, if we can find a couple plays off here or there, we'll try. But it's all hands on deck. Uh, you know, I think we got a good team. Uh, and I want to keep the good players on the field as long as I can. If we can find ways, certainly, Lou, and I'm not trying to be a wise guy with this, but I want to keep our players on the field. If we can find spots to get them off, we will. Other than that, let's go play. Uh, and I want to keep the good players on the field as long as I can. If we can find ways, certainly, Lou, and I'm not trying to be a wise guy with this, but I want to keep our players on the field. If we can find spots to get them off, we will. Other than that, let's go play. Oh, I love this clip. Now, this is coming from the team that's traditionally fallen off a cliff in November right. uh, with losses and tired teams. And he even, what was it, two years ago? Conditioning, 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 sure. blah, blah, blah. So now all of a sudden, it's not an issue that these guys are in shape or not in shape. Well, that's why you were losing in November just a couple of years ago. So what's the deal here, Brian? You cannot, just because you're 3-0 now, say, oh, it's you know all hands on deck, and then start losing games in November and wonder why. Yeah, well, not only two years ago, but last year as well, when they went 2-2 two and two in November and fell out of any playoff contention there. And Brian Kelly was the first to admit that his team was gassed. So if you remember, Rags, everything in the spring, everything in the summer, everything in the fall camp, 
was very much designed around we're going to be a better team in November. We're going to play a lot more guys. We're going to have a deeper team. We're not going to overextend our guys. So by the time that November comes, they'll be ready to go. Now, that said, with that four-rule redshirt rule where you can play right. guys in four games, coaches are taking different strategies on this where they're saving their guys for that November push when they, they can then keep their players fresh. I don't necessarily prescribe to that, to be honest with you. Um, I think you kind of mix them in as you go and then give the guys some rest that way instead of giving them all their rest at once. When November comes, I want Drew Tranquil and Tavon Coney on the field, not some freshman that, that finally earned his way into the lineup. Well, and uh, short-term memory, man. That's that's all. Yeah, uh, that's that's what concerns me here. You know uh, that. Uh, and we, we're out of time, good bride. <laughs> you know, I just—I'll chalk it up that he was in a bad mood because you know the, all the QB questions and that, and then that. I, I just maybe it was just not the best days to get him up on that podium because right now I feel like he probably did on that podium. So let's turn our attention to predictions now, Todd, as they go on the road. I had them, like I said, uh, winning this week, and then Stanford starting to present a problem uh, with the next couple of games here. Um, So I'm not going to go against that. I am going to pick them on the road here. Uh, I think uh, the young quarterback's going to throw a pick late. I think they'll win 27-23 on the road, although I am not that confident about it. Yeah, I'm kind of I'm I'm sort of in that same boat you are. I think Notre Dame does against this defense find a way to bust that streak of not scoring 24 points. I'm with you on that. I think Ian Book's going to get a lot more playing time, and I think he's going to play well. I think Notre Dame's offense is going to hum along a little bit better than what we've seen so far this year. I like 31-27 Notre Dame. I think they do get out of here with a win. And believe it or not, that would be the sixth straight one-possession game that Notre Dame would win. They've won five in a row here looking for number six. And that comes on the heels of going one and nine in one-possession games. So uh, certainly uh, if they can continue to hum along here, at least in the win-loss column hum along here, uh, then great things are coming up for that Stanford game. The only problem is most of those one-possession wins lately have been against lesser <laughs> opponents. They shouldn't yeah, have been t- one-possession wins. Yeah, teams you were favored to would beat by 35. <laughs> well, all right, so uh, think positive. 3-0, 3-0. We started 3-0, then, then that's what we'll end with right now. We're 3-0, uh, but there are a lot of flaws. Let's hope they, I, I, they've identified them and they're going to fix them. Todd, always a pleasure. We'll do it all over again. The Blue Gold Report podcast brought to you by D.O. McComb and Sons Funeral Homes. Wherever you download us, make sure you rate us and review us as much as you possibly can. Todd, I'll talk to you next week, my friend. All right, Rex. Thanks, man. This has been a presentation of Optin Productions. Podcasts by Federated Media. Podcasts by Federated Media.